traditional LCMS time. Yeah, today is a day and a title, brother. That today way. is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2010, and the title of this message is called "Stand Below, Rise Above." And um, what's that? Say that one more time. Stand below, rise above. Stand below, comma, space, rise above. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it this message came out of just one scripture that that I had given to somebody and hadn't previously seen uh, seen anything in it that was a completely revelation revelationary. Revelatory? I don't, I don't know. I'm not good with uh, conjugating that one. But uh, I had a revelation about this particular scripture. And uh, When standing at the pulpit, you have complete authority to change the English language. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I'm fixing to get ready to serve you. <laughs> fixing it. I'm fixing it. Uh, anyway, it, it comes out of 1 Corinthians 10. And... Uh, we start in the 12th verse. Previously, Paul had just described to the Corinthians the uh, quick synopsis of Israel's history and Israel's failings and um, things that happened to them because of their sin. And we'll, let's, let's pick up in 11, actually. These things happened to them. Oh, yeah, some of you there. There, there. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And every time I read that scripture, I was like, why would you want to stand up under temptation? That makes no sense whatsoever. And typically I would just close my Bible or close the little spiral thing of stones that I had and be like, oh, I guess that's for... Revelation at a later time. I won't really try to dig into that one. And another one is that those two seem directly opposed to one another. Provide a way out, but stand up under. That, that just didn't make any sense to me. And then what came to mind is something that you would stand up under, um, which would be the the prayer shawl. It's not up there. It's down here. Mm-hmm. The uh, the prayer shawl that Israelites wore. Kind of, um, and in my mind, whenever um, Whenever I saw this, I began to think of all the commands that God gave according this. And uh, Jews would wear this in ceremony, in their homes, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But uh, yeah, definitely in, in uh, synagogue meetings and stuff like that as, as a covering representing God's authority in their life and God's these representing God's commands in their life. And uh, I went to Numbers 15 after that, uh, after some, some studying. And um, pick up in the 37th verse. There. There. Oh, there fast. Been there. There. All right, Adam. Come now. Everybody there? Everybody. 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 The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord in each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord. Right there he gives them a command to put the tassels on their garments, and he tells them why 
the tassels are there so they remember the commands of the Lord so they don't turn from them so they don't oh, immediately after that that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going after the lust of your own hearts and eyes then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God I am the Lord your God he told them to remember his commands so that they won't prostitute themselves in their hearts and minds because he brought them out of Egypt essentially saying I don't want you to go back to Egypt in your hearts while I've brought you out brought you out physically brought you out mentally you're no longer slaves brought you out spiritually you, you're a people that I call my people and um, it, it may seem redundant to say I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God I am the Lord your God but I had somebody point out to me that that's not unlike the reassurance of a husband to a wife if, if a man's wife is crying or um, just completely downtrodden he may say uh, baby I'm your husband everything's going to be okay I'm your husband and that's it's just to me that that, that really rang true in my spirit when um, when actually Eric sort of pointed that out to me that that's what that sounded like and uh, it, it shows an intimacy that God wants with us an intimacy that comes from us knowing him intimately and knowing his commands intimately and uh, let's see the reason he wanted them to be under that covering uh, Isaiah 30 verse 3 speaks of uh, Egypt's covering being a shame and being a disgrace to Israel and uh, that only bringing death and being under God's covering which brings joy and life uh, brings life and, uh, <laughs> and Deuteronomy 22 12 is just another verse saying make tassels on the four corners of the cloak you wear and uh, I learned today that that verse there that word corners in Hebrew eventually came, became synonymous with uh, wings so every time you see wings in the scripture it's referring to God having the corners of this garment which I'm going to try my best to put on appropriately, not not blaspheme or anything like that. Uh, you, you be safe. I've been carrying it for years. It didn't get worse than that. Anyway. Anyway. Whenever Jewish children would see the corners right here and hear... Um, the here the uh, the rabbi uh, give an exhortation and a prayer and sort of visualize um, God wrapping his people in his covering they would see that as wings and that in the Hebrew language that word corners became synonymous with wings from that point on and so every time you see wings in the word it's like you can think of this. You can think of the prayer shawl and think of how the corners of it symbolize uh, God's commands for you in your life and how he wants to wrap you in those and just wrap you in his covering completely. And um, some instances where you see that, that covering, there are ones in Ruth 3.9 where Ruth is laying at Boaz's feet and she uh, requests for him to put the corner of his garment over her because she wants to be his wife. She wants to be... Uh, under his authority she wants to be under his covering 
Um, and if you haven't been to Foundations previously, or if you weren't here when Eric taught it uh, from the pulpit, ask somebody who's been to Foundations about the teaching on Shidduchin and Shad Khan and uh, all the Hebrew wedding rituals, because it's just amazing the parallels between that and how God longs for us and how the stages of salvation are supposed to be for the Father and the Son and His Bride. And it's just, it's really beautiful. Um, one instance with Jesus himself having uh, this mentioned about him is in Mark or Luke 8, verse 40. There. There. Uh-huh. You, can say, you can say almost there. It's almost. not cheating. There. 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 Alright, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. She touched the the corner of Jesus' cloak, which represented the commands that Jesus was perfectly living out. She saw that Jesus' authority was something that was God-given, and his power was something God-derived, and she wanted that in her life for healing. And um, whenever we were sitting down today, Eric... um, brought to my attention an Isaiah scripture in Isaiah 4 that could just very be the could be the very thing that this woman was thinking of when she did that. It could be her reasoning for risking her life basically because to touch I'm trying to say this as best I can to touch a woman that is during her cycle during her cycle would be to make you unclean in Israel and there's rich, there's a whole time period and ritual for how you get clean and you have to go through it all just because she touched you. You don't even have to have touched her. She risked her life. People could have stoned her because they got angry at her for that. And uh, maybe this is what she was risking it for. It's in Isaiah 4, starting in verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be pride will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy. All who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women in Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over all those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night, which speaks to Israel's people that had remembered how he brought them out of Egypt, that they would be back in God's covering. They would be back in a time where God was leading them everywhere. Everywhere that they went, they they didn't need to wonder because they could see a visual huge sign of God's authority. They could see a visual huge sign of God leading them, and they were confident that they weren't being led astray. And then it says... Over all the glory will be a canopy, 
It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain. I, after hearing that today, I think that that's what she was, she was yearning for. She, I mean, not, not every Israelite knew the entire 39 books of the Tanakh, but I'm sure she, she might have known this one. She might have had that in her heart. I mean, she had had it for 12 years. I'd imagine an Israelite who this was life to them. The law was life. I'd imagine she might have heard that somewhere uh, from somebody. And uh, that might have given her hope. And she saw the commands perfectly lived out. And she knew that that day was coming. And she wanted it. She wanted healing. She wanted to be under that cover, be under that refuge and shelter and the canopy of God's glory. And... Um, all that is symbolized in the talit, which this is what that's what this is called. I don't remember if I said that at first. Uh, this is called a talit, and each of the corners are called kanaf, and the little castles hanging from them are called. The single one's called zitzit, and the plural is zitziot. Just the, if you're taking notes, it, that that I don't know if that matters, but uh, to some Jewish people it might. If if you ever wanted to share some Jewishness of the gospel with them. To them, it might benefit them to, or benefit you to get their language right. Refrain from calling it a zit-zit. Yeah, don't call it a zit-zit. There's, no, uh, there's no proactive for these. You can't, you can't, you can't make those go away with proactive. Uh, I was just looking at some information on uh, just basic facts about Talit's. Talitot? Talits. Uh, that, that, that plural thing is killing me. Um, and I just saw some ones that parallel amazingly with, with the body of Christ and those that say they're the body of Christ and aren't. And um, the first one is the Talit are given to children as gifts at their bar mitzvah. So when children make a public statement that they're now a son of God's commands, they're given a measure of authority. They're given... Um, the ability to stand up under God's covering and rest in His covering and take refuge in Him and uh, walk remembering every one of God's commands that's in the, the book of the law and are held responsible for that for themselves from that point on because they're declaring to the world, I'm a man, I'm a son of God's commands and hold me accountable to it. <laughs> um, and that that's how it's supposed to be in Christianity. As soon as as soon as you make that conscious adult decision where you're a man or a woman and you say you want to follow Jesus, you want to be found in the shelter of the Most High at all times, that's that's a public statement that you make and you're given that charge to do so from that point on. Uh, next one I saw that was really beautiful is they're usually given from father to son, father-in-law to son-in-law, or teacher to student, which uh, sort of leaves out from, as Eric said, six-foot icicle to random crowd person. Uh, that That's nowhere in Jewish custom. That's nowhere in the real body of Christ. What's what's supposed to occur is discipleship. One, one elder figure, not, doesn't have to be elderly, but elder figure. Sorry, Steve. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh... No, Steve knows I'm playing with. We got this conversation going on up here. That yeah. 
Uh, and um, it's supposed to be from disciple to disciple, from rabbi to tal- Talmud. Talmud. Um, and it's supposed to be a personal relationship between the mentor and the mentee where you... <laughs> hey, you said I could invent words up there, all right? <laughs> you took it and ran with it. <laughs> That's how I've heard it, so blame whoever I heard it from. Uh, I learned it from you, Dad. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I want to be your Minty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Minty, the first maker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's supposed to be from somebody who's experienced in walking in God's commands to a younger man so that he can. He can have an example to look at. As, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. That type of relationship is supposed to be present in the body to where you get authentic, discipled people that are in love with Jesus, not stamped, move along, see you later, hope you do well in the kingdom. Yeah, that's a good word. Exactly. Um, another one was, its first use appears in history around 1800 B.C., and it was originally designed as a large white rectangular garment with zitziyot, plural, in each corner. No, I guess it would be zitzi because there's one in each corner. But, uh, and it was used as a garment, a bed sheet, and a burial shroud. Now, let's see, garment, that means you wear it during the day. Bed sheet, you sleep in it at night. Burial shroud, you're buried in it. That doesn't really sound like it leaves out any time for you to be not under it. That sounds like it's supposed to engulf your life. And God's covering is something you're supposed to be in constantly, 24-7, 365. Doesn't sound like it's something you're supposed to take off. And um, directly opposed to that is, in the modern Jewish community, it's customary to bring your own tallit, but there's usually a rack of shawls at the door for visitors or guests. So whereas God commanded us to be constantly in it and engulfed in it at day and night and to die in it, um, Modern times has made it to where, if you know, if if you're if you don't really buy into this whole obeying God 24/7 business, you can just pick it up as you walk in the door and put it back on the rack whenever you leave. We don't really want to hold you accountable to remaining in God's covering. It's 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 alright. You can just you can borrow one and then put it back. And um, that, that that's it's sad to say, but there's churches all over the country, churches all over the world where people can. Come in, pick up a covering, wear it for the service, and nod and say mm-hmm, and then put it, put it back on a rack, and then walk out and live like hell. Wow. And it's sad to say that, but it, it's true. And I, I wish that those people would get a hold of what people in this body have obviously gotten a hold of. Um, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Simply put, Jesus. Yeah. Um, some are large enough to cover the entire body, while others just drape over your shoulders. Some some people are completely engulfed in God's Word, 24-7, 365. And some people are semi-engulfed in God's covering for their life. Just drapes over the shoulder, but left a little hanging out so you can still be not under the covering in some parts of your life and under the covering in other parts. And 
it, that just speaks volumes to uh, people that know all the right things and have uh, God's <coughs> covering on them some of the time um, and in parts of their lives, but it also speaks volumes about people who have yet to give Jesus lordship over their entire life and Jesus still does not lord over all of them, just just part of them, just, just the parts that count. Yeah. Uh, going to church, singing, reading a devotional, and I'm good. Yeah. Uh, and they're comprised of a white base made up of either wool, cotton, or silk. They can be made of any materials except a mixture of wool and linen, which is prohibited by the Torah in Leviticus 19, 19, and Deuteronomy 22, 9-11. And that, the, even the very material that it's made out of is supposed to be distinct, supposed to be diverse, supposed to be something that can make people take note that you're a son of God, that you're in God's covering. And it's not supposed to be mixed with other things that aren't intended for God's covering whenever you make it. And uh, another thing, speaking about diversity, it's made with white base with other colors including black, blue, maroon, white, you LSU fans are going to love this, purple, gold, silver, rainbow, pink, or combinations of colored stripes with metallic stripes. So this is the one that's got blue and colored stripes with metallic stripes. I don't know if you can see the glimmer. Uh, to be clear, though, we don't want any LSU prayer shells. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word, man. Thank you. I, I, the first first word I've ever no the tigers, tigers. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who was asking that, but this is the tigers. Uh, this is really the first word that I felt like was completely and utterly revelation and in, enriching for not only my life, but it's. I think it would benefit other people to hear this. And uh, I, hope, I hope it resonates in y'all's spirit like it does in mine. Yes. Um, there's, there's examples all throughout the word of man's covering, and I, I just thought that those parallels were just spot on whenever I saw them and I, I that was something I couldn't ignore and um, uh, after hearing about man's covering I wanted to see what the word said about God's covering um, just the the bigger the bigger block that we're spo- our coverings are supposed to be the chip off of yes. and um, Ruth 2.12 you don't have to turn there if you want to you can it's, it's, it's cool May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Um, that's funny. Um, that, that's Boaz um, talking to Ruth and giving her a blessing, basically showing her that even though she wasn't one of God's people, she's she's come to take refuge in the Most High. She's come to find shelter under God's covering. And um, Malachi 4.2, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Um, that, that speaks about people that revere the Lord's name, people that fear the name of God, fear 
who God is, all of his authority, all of his character, people that legitimately fear him like a son fears his father with a sense of reverence, fear, and wonderment all mixed in together. Um, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you, if found under those wings, you'll, you'll find healing for your, your spirit, your soul, your body. And you'll go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Eric's mentioned that about the the, the, the chitlins watching or walking out there, uh, and how they, they they leap they leap like calves. Huh? I think they need an R in there. Chitlins. 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 Uh, oh yeah, chitlins is a food. Right? The the human younglings that jumped out of there. Uh, I watch too much Star Wars. Uh, the Padawan, the Padawan that walked out of out of the sanctuary. So tell us about the healing in his wings. Yeah. It says that uh, those that experience that healing found in the Lord's covering will leap like calves from released from the stall. Giddy young little calves that don't have anything on their mind but being playful. Um, trapped in a stall. Trapped with four walls around them, not able to do anything that they want to. You'll you'll find joy whenever you're found in God's covering. Unlike you've ever seen, you'll find joy like that of prisoners being released. And uh, Psalm 17, 8, David's saying, Keep me... I think it's David. The psalmist is saying, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. That to, to be hidden in the shadow of God's wings is to, to be under God's refuge and hidden from the world. If you're hidden in the shadow of the Most High, hidden in the shadow of your, His wings, then the world can't touch you. The, the enemy can't touch you. He can't. I've heard it said it's like a, a an umbrella. If you're hidden underneath an umbrella, the rain that's dropping can't touch you. It just rolls right off, and that, that's what it's like to be hidden in the shadow of his wings. And I, I thought this was an interesting study note. Uh, kings in ancient Israel were described as being the shade for their people against the heat of oppression. Um, one instance is... Um, the writer of Lamentations speaking about the king of Israel at that time. The Lord's anointed, our very life breath, was caught in their traps. We thought that under his shadow we would live among the nations. So the people under, under a kingship are supposed to see their king as somebody able to shade them from oppression, shade them from heat, and just every everything that you would imagine is... Uh, Tied together with heat, fire, for instance. Uh, um, in Ezekiel 31, like throughout it, verse 6, 12, and 17, it speaks of the, uh, the once great cedar of Lebanon, the king or kingdom of Assyria is what they're talking about there, formerly being a shade to its people, but God destroying it and bringing the kingdom down. Oh, damn, that was kingdom. Uh, and... Uh, it no longer being able to provide the shade, but uh, I promise you, our God is not like that cedar of Lebanon that can be just chopped down and no longer provide shade. It, it, the shade is ever present, and 
the only thing that's sometimes not ever present is our ability to stand in it. And, uh, yeah, needs to change. Uh, and there's instances where the Lord himself is actually described as a shade for his people as well. Um, in Psalms 121, verse 5, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Isaiah 25, 4. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall. That that sounds like somebody who's been the poor, who's been the needy, and who's been needing shade from the storm, or from the heat, and shelter from the storm, and experienced the breath of the ruthless. And they were found to be in God's covering for their life, and found to be in uh, be walking in God's commands to the point of being completely engulfed in them. And God was those things for him. He was refuge. He was shelter. He was shade. And no, I said refuge twice. But um, Isaiah forty nine two, he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. And speaking of being hidden in the shadow of God's hand, uh, it it seems like only under God's covering can you be transformed into what you're supposed to be from that. While in the shadow of God's hand, he was polished into an arrow and concealed in God's quiver. While under God's covering, you're transformed into exactly who you're supposed to be in his kingdom, exactly who you're supposed to be for his kingdom, and then set aside for that purpose until you're required time um, and then and only then can you be used by God if found underneath his covering and shaped into who he's meant you to be and put where he's meant to put you um, this is the Lord himself speaking to Isaiah I've put my words in your mouth oh, it's Isaiah 51 16 I've put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand I who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, and who say to Zion, you are my people. See, this is all speaking God's desire to be intimate with us. He wants us to remain under his covering. He wants us not to be left vulnerable outside of it. He wants us to be wrapped up in a blanket just like, I assume, Eric on a cold night would, with Abby shivering would take her and wrap her up in a blanket and make her feel warm and secure and loved um, that, that's what God wants for us he wants us to be his people intimately not, not, just, not just in word only but intimately and um, this is all for the purpose of you have on one hand something and on the other hand the other on one hand you have being in God's covering and being found in the shelter of the Most High, being found in the shadow of His wings. And on the other hand, you have what Second Kings 17.26 speaks about, which is something we're going to turn to here. Second Kings 
26. reported to the king of Assyria the people you deported and resettled in the towns of Samaria God's people of Israel do not know what the God of that country requires. He has sent lions among them which are killing them off because the people do not know what he requires and reading that scripture immediately brought my mind because this has been taught to me before brought my mind to 1 Peter 5.8 it says that the people that were in the resettled towns of Samaria that were in the place that they were designed by the king to be but did not know what the lord of the land required them what the god of Israel required of them they were devoured um, just plainly huh? devoured by lions devoured by lions yes yeah, right eaten, eaten alive by lions I'm just think of that being alive one second um, just out in the day tra-la-la and then a lion coming up and eating you uh, that's some pretty pretty heavy stuff. Um, the um, verse in First Peter five eight goes a little something like this: Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So the word given from Peter. Um, empowered by the Holy Spirit to write what is now divinely written scripture says that our enemy the devil is like a roaring lion prowling around for someone to devour and if the enemy's a roaring lion prowling around for someone to desire or to devour and those who don't know what God requires of them those who aren't found in the shelter of the most high are the ones susceptible to be devoured put two and two together you're not found in the covering of God you're not found completely immersed in his commands every day of your life, you're susceptible to being devoured Amen. by the devil himself. And um, it, it kind of brings me back to um, that First Corinthians 10 scripture. Uh, I, through all this, I gained some understanding about, about this scripture. Um, my original question was, why stand up under temptation? I came to realize it's not temptation that you stand up under. It's God's covering for your life. It's the fact that you you beat the enemy in that situation. You you gave him no room to move in your life because you were found in God's covering. It's like I wish Jacob was here. It was like a what you call it uh, sash for the Boy Scouts. You got the merit badge on. I beat you here. I beat you here. I beat you there. I whooped your butt here. Uh, <laughs> and it. Another question I have was, which is it, a way out or a way, or a way out or something you can stand up under? It's both. The way out that you took, that God provided for you, by being obedient to His commands and being able to stand under His covering instead of the covering of Egypt that Isaiah 30 verse 3, 30 verse 3 talks about. 
the way out is what you stand up under. You stand up under the victory experience and being a son of the commands and defeating the enemy by those commands by standing in the shelter of the Most High. And um, a particular experience, just, just to throw in a little something that is my daily life, there was, there was an occasion where I had been smack dab in the middle of a two-week no-TV fast, and previously it had been kind of easy. Like, you know how it's kind of easy to fast from food whenever you're in a desert and there's no food to speak of. Uh, I had previously been working the days before. I had had a church functions, church services to go to, friends to hang out with. This day, Wednesday, May 19th, 2009, I have it written in my Bible. Uh, I had absolutely nothing to do, no work. Everybody else was doing something, I think, that, yeah, that I didn't, nothing was planned for a big group of people to do. Um, it was just me and the TV alone in my house. And I was feeling the desires of the flesh in that moment. And I prayed, Lord, I want that way out. I want the way out so I can, at the time, I still didn't understand the scripture, so I can, I just wanted the way out. <laughs> I didn't understand the scripture, but I knew I wanted the way out from under temptation. And I prayed that God provide a way out. And uh, not 10, 15 minutes later, this is actually the time this preschool was being built. And uh, Eric called me, and he was on his way to this big warehouse uh, to pick up building supplies, to pick up some metal studs. And uh, I, I rolled along with him, and uh, I, I was able to have a way out underneath that. And then whenever we were done, it was about one or two, I was driving back to my house. I'm like, oh, church isn't until seven. I'm going to have, it's going to be me and the TV again. Me and my nemesis. Uh, and um, right then, I don't know if it was John or Jeremy that called me, but Jeremy needed help moving. And I tell you the truth, we weren't done until 15 minutes before church started. So I prayed and God provided a way out for me and I was able to stand up under them like I didn't want to sin against God. I didn't want to sin and be not found in God's covering and God saw that as a sincere desire of my heart and he honored it and I found a way out and it's it a lot of times it it's not always going to be uh, you just praying and somebody calling you. As you're given measures of trust and experience in the kingdom, uh, it feels like to me, at least the past times that this, stuff like this has happened, it feels like God expects you more and more to find the way out, to seek out the way out. Um, he showed you the way the first time, just like somebody learning to ride a bike holds the seat at first, but he expects you to grab the handlebars and pedal after you've already learned how to ride the bicycle. Um, he expects you to look for ways out in, in his word, in fellowship, in acts of servanthood, in whatever you can find to not sin. Um, and uh, just a little something I, I, I felt like summed up the, the message. Um, our spiritual talit is the marker of the God-given authority we have to walk in all righteousness. It is a sign to the enemy that says, I remain in the covering of God Almighty. Jesus defeated you. I've defeated you. We'll do it again. When tempted or tested, remember that you are wearing the sign of the enemy's defeat. 
Every victory, no matter how small you may perceive it to be, adds a length to your talit that lets the enemy and you know you have just become more entangled in God's covering. The more we submit to God and resist the devil, the more he'll flee. When Brandon prayed for a way out, he didn't just get a distraction. Distractions are not always useful, although they can be. He got a command. He got a command to put his brother's needs before his own. He got a command to leave selfish intentions and move towards selfless intentions. God's covering changes your life. It makes a new way of life. We're going to close this meeting right now. And Brandon is going to read to you a priestly blessing that comes from number 6, 24. And you have to picture that we're in ancient Israel. And you were standing and you've never seen MTV. You've never seen a PowerPoint presentation. But God, because He loves you, wants to get even to your tactile senses. has put honey in your mouth when the Word was read. He's given you visual examples, and maybe the most heavenly, beautiful thing you've ever seen are the colors that are in the prayer shawl. And now the man that stands to read this begins to give this blessing, and his arms are stretched out around you. And as a little kid, it looked even as if this prayer shawl might could go around the whole room and just wrap you up in it. You felt safe when you heard this. And what was the blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. This word peace is shalom. When you stand under the commands of God, you flow in the authority of God. You receive the benefits of God. And from the time they were little bitty, they learned these things. They got married under them. They got buried in them. They went to bed in them. They wore them around reminding them. Since you may not wear tali, but you wear the very nature of Christ. This is what our brother's reminding us of. We're to walk in His commands. Walk in the light as He is in the light. Amen? Y'all receive that blessing and we'll stand. Stand. The next word in that passage says, In doing this, in doing this, you will put my name on them. To put my Hashem upon them mm. by walking in God's commands under His covering. It is as if God's authority, reputation, body of work rested upon you. How cool is that? Brandon is teaching us the way to have people look at a distance and go, that one belongs to God. How does he belong to God? Because I see God's character and His attributes displayed in His life. What Brandon's teaching. Isn't that a good word? Let's pray. Mighty God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your servant that has delivered your word. Lord, we feast on the abundance that flows from your hand. You are amazing. We we could never search out all of your treasure, but we'll spend a lifetime doing it. The secret things belong to you, but you have revealed things that belong to us, and we thank you for them. It's like treasure to us. Lord, we ask that this visual image of your talit, mighty God, the words that you've given Brandon to speak to us, Holy One, that these things would make an impression upon us and that our understanding of your character and your love for us 
would just be deepened. Lord, we do ask for your face to be turned towards us. Lord, we ask that you would make your people shine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Brandon, we'd like to give you an encouragement about the P-Row home meeting. Yeah. Um, it's related to these, actually, um, to the Z seat on there. What we've A bunch of people have been going to the P-Row home meeting, and it's been amazing. And um, one thing that we've been doing there is biblical eye spy. It sounds like a childish concept, but I can promise you it's not. What Matt, um, unknowingly or knowingly, I don't know, but uh, what Matt has been teaching us is really... To see God's seat in everything. And see God's seat in a clock on the wall, in a chair. Have it, have everything in your life remind you of one of God's commands. Remind you of how you're supposed to be living. And um, it's just been amazing. And there, there's been visual examples, just like Jesus would have taught. We, did, we went in the backyard and went and saw a fig tree and... There was a message spoken out of that. We could see the fig tree right in front of us, just like people taught by Jesus could see things right in front of them as they passed a field. And Jesus talked about the parable of the sower. And it's just, if you haven't come already, it's Saturday, right? Saturday. Saturday. It, the, tell everybody. Tell everybody. Tell, everybody. tell, tell, everybody. Your, tell your wife. Tell your kids. Run and tell that. <laughs> Run and tell that, homeboy. So, Old people.